If you've got your Bibles, good, that's a good start. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. You know, the scriptures that Phil was reading this morning and praying and Paul was reading, significant scriptures for us. Thank you for that overwhelming under-response. It was an overwhelming, underwhelming. I don't know what it is about church when people just don't know how to respond. I'm not suggesting everything that's spoken requires an amen. But every now and then, just let, you, let yourself, remind yourself you're still alive. Shout amen, shout, yeah, that's true. I, I absolutely believe it, that's 100%. Just remind yourself you're alive. Seriously. Sometimes you just go, yeah, yeah, it's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's right, say right, that's true. Thank you, Lord, amen. Just, you know, I don't need your applause. But you do need to remind yourself you're still awake. So Hebrews chapter 4, starting from verse 1. Therefore since, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. He's talking about Israel here. But it was no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Everything you hear this morning must be combined with faith. When you go to bake, you, you combine the ingredients together, don't you? You don't can't, you can't, no flour on its own is no good. It needs other ingredients. Butter, milk on their own. All useful on their own, but if you want to bake something, you've got to bring things together and let the science, yes? Let the science and the physics and all the other stuff that goes behind all that stuff. It's got to combine so it works. So when you hear the word, it has to be combined with faith so that the science and the physics behind that dimension all begin to work for you and for, and for the hearer and the receiver. Amen? Amen? Psalm 118 says this. Open for me the gates of righteousness and I will enter in and give thanks to the Lord. Your gates have opened. The issue is, will you enter in and give thanks to the Lord? Your gates have opened. Swing wide the gates and let the king of glory come in. What gates is he talking to? Your gates. The one inside of you. The heavens are open, but it's you who must enter in. Yes? So, Psalm 118, 19. Open for me the gates of righteousness and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give thanks for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. This is the scripture Jesus was quoting. The Lord has done this and it's marvellous in our eyes. It is. It's marvellous in our eyes. When we see what God has opened up for us, 
It's marvellous in our eyes. I'm going to agree with that. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In, in it. There's a day to rejoice. There's a day for the gates to be open in your heart. There's a day when you step in. There's a day when you step into righteousness and when righteousness is allowed to enter into you. And when all, that, when all those things combine together, when all those things combine together, Christ is revealed. Amen? Let us enter into gladness for what he's done. It's an amazing thing. You know, as Phil read that scripture this morning to us, the, the picture I got instantly was of God. I know it was because it was so clear to me. When you go to, when you go on air travel, you've checked in. You're just about now to get scanned. And the picture heaven like this. There's a frame in the airport. It stands no wider than a doorway. There is a conveyor belt here. The first thing they do is, you got any goods? You take your, anything that's in your pocket, in other words, anything that of value to you, you have to put in there. Any metals, rings, watches. You put your money in your coins. Sometimes they make you take your shoes off. That's where you've been. Your money's what you own, what you deem value to you. You take your watch off, that's the consciousness of time. You take your glasses off, so no longer you can't see. That's where you've been, the things you can see from your own perspective. You put it down, and you put them in that tray, and you wave goodbye to them for a couple of seconds, but your eye is always on that because your value is in that tray. But that's the things of the earth. They're value to you. And then he says... You're mindful, as I walk through this small doorway now, there's a thin light that's going to scan me. And that's the, that's the heavenlies. It's so thin. You can step into it or step out. It says no thief or no moth can get beyond there. Everything has to be scanned. Yes? And you stand up and you think, will I be caught, will I be caught, will I be caught, will I be caught? And you, for that slight few seconds, you're apprehensive as to what will they find. Will I need a patting down? Will the rubber gloves come out? <laughs> no, Mama always told me, if you've done nothing wrong, son, you have nothing to be afraid of. Amen. So when I walk through the door, or through the scanning... I don't expect it to go bleep. Why? Because I've declared all that was of me in that tray. And I walk through the light. I walk into the light. I walk into the light. And I'm on the other side. And when I walk through there, the first thing I look for, if my mind is not reconfigured, I look to connect myself with all my worldly goods. And that's what stops you entering in. The first thing you look for is to reconnect yourself with everything you've just put in that tray. That is not the requirements of the kingdom. Because you associate those things, that's what you own. But in reality, those things own you. It's not what you own, my friends, it's what owns you. 
And this was the whole point of Jesus saying that the kingdom of God. He was talking about seek first the kingdom of God. And the pagans run after these things. Why? Because their minds are always fixed on what, they've, what they own. And what they can earn. And the thing is they would never walk into the light. Why? Because their hearts was always fixed to what they, on the earthly treasures they had. Rather than walking into the light. Your heavenly father knows you'll need them. And he can give you them from him. He can supply those things. And it came to me this morning as Phil was reading that scripture about the veil. The light. You'll never walk into the light and enter into anything God's got for you if your mind is always focused on what you put in the tray. You've got to let it go. Because they're going to scan those things as well. All that you own has not necessarily been done the righteous way. Every step you've taken has not always been righteous steps. Everything you look at is not always righteous. True? Everything, that's, everything that you touch with your hands has not always been pure. That's why everything has to be scanned. And God's opened up the veil. But guess what? You cannot just come, even though the door's open, it's still guarded. Because no thief can enter in. And, it go, and you, it's guarded by the, our hearts and minds. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God to enter in. So I want you to remember the picture of the airport. This is, this is exactly how we come in to the presence of God every day. We take what we own. We take our shoes off. This is symbolically. I'm not saying you have to take your hands out your pockets and take your shoes off, take your glasses off, take your watch. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying these are sim- symbols of what's, what owns you and what can own you and are a part of you. I'm not saying all those things own you, but they can own you. And you come before the Lord naked and transparent. And you say, search me, Lord. Test me. See if there's any offensive way within me he says okay take your hands out your pocket take your glasses off take your watch off take everything that you are attached to and everything that's attached to you and let's have a heart to heart scan the veil's been removed the doorway's open but you've got to enter in you can't go on your holidays unless you're willing to step through that little doorway you can have all the promises on the other side there's people waiting for you on the other side Yes? There's a wonderful experience to be waited, to, to be wait, await us, that's it, await us on the other side. But just that small, little doorway is going to define whether you're going to get to the other side. Can you see the significance of this little doorway? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And Jesus is on the other side and saying, all you've got to do, son, is, is put that stuff in that tray. Let it go. Say goodbye to it for a minute. And just let you and I have a face-to-face walk through and let the light of God shine on us, shine into our hearts. And therefore, if you hear it go, bing, God just might have to get his gloves out and do a forensic search in our hearts. That's why the word of God must penetrate. It must expose, it must separate joint from marrow. And everything must be exposed before him, who we must all give an account. So welcome to holiday season. 
Holiday season means you're going through the scanner. You've got to take your belt of truth off. You've got to put everything in that tray and say, Father, I will enter in. I just and what you do, you stand when you go through that scanner. Some people freak. Some people don't know how to respond. Other people do that. What? Nothing to declare. Nothing to declare. Other people just walk through confidently. And everyone's waiting on the other side. Say, go on, scan him, scan him, scan him, get him, search him, strip him down. See, is any drugs in there? No, but it's not a time to be worried. It's a time to be confident. When you get to the airport, if you're looking worried, maybe that's not the best way or the best time. You should not be looking worried. You should be confident. Because it's a time just to be scanned and walked through. And you know what? Don't we all feel a lot safer when everyone's been scanned? Of course we do. It should bring peace into our hearts that the guy next to me in that plane has also been scanned and he's got nothing that could harm me, potentially. (laughs) Is that not... So it's for our own peace of mind that everyone should abide by the same rules. Are we all seeing this? It's not there to hurt us. It's there to protect us. And when when God invites us to enter his rest... You have to combine what he's saying with faith. And if we have confidence before him, we have confidence to ask him anything. Why? Because I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm open here, Lord. Nothing to declare. If you think you can shove something down your sock and get away with it, you can't. Because the detectors are going to get you. And your heavenly father will say, "Uh -uh, sorry, son. What about that in your heart? What about that unforgiveness in your heart? What about that desire, wrongful desire? What about that pride in your heart? I thought you hid that well. Not from heaven you can't. These are supernatural scanners. Can you see this? God wants us to be that confident that when we walk through that doorway, everything to declare but nothing to declare. I'm clean. I'm clean in his sight. I'm righteous in his sight. My friends, live in such a way. Live in such a way that you can be confident every time the light shines. And every time the light shines when you open up this word. Let the light shine in your face so that you can shine in the face of the light. Amen? So open up. I will enter. Thanks to the Lord. This is the gate, the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I'll give you thanks for you answer me. You have come my salvation. The stones the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us enter in. Let us step in. Let us rejoice and be glad before we have been found righteous in his sight. Amen. Therefore, since the promise, therefore, the, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. It still stands. Let us be careful. Now there's, now there's a warning. Be careful to have, not to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as you are being preached to today. Or you're hearing it being preached today. Just as they did. Who's, who's, who's they? Israel. But they did not combine the message 
with faith. Mm. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God said. I declare on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest. There's a company of people who won't and there's a company of people who will. But you know what? God's talking about company of people but you as an individual must enter in. Amen? You know, just recently I've been praying in a specific way in my time with God and I felt the Lord impress upon me certain direction of how to pray because it's good that the Lord can impress upon your heart a certain way of praying because that's called strategic prayer. When you can be led how to pray, therefore you can get to the heart of the issue quicker. That's why he said we're not like men who beat the air wondering, what shall I pray today? But many of us in that, get in that zone. So you've got to push through that until you get to the zone where the Holy Spirit can lead you in your prayer time what to pray and how to pray. This is key because it's not just praying about anything. It's knowing what areas you should be praying about and how to pray about those areas that you're being led to pray. Yes? Because it can't always be an SOS prayer. We need intelligent prayers, not just panic prayers. Amen? So the other day was I was listening to a speaker uh, preach and as they were preaching... They mentioned three of the key areas that the Lord had been speaking to me about. And so instantly my heart tunes in. Whoa, this is called Radio God. Channel God right now, not the God channel, Channel God. And as I was tuning in, God began to speak a little bit further and giving me clarity and, and insight, understanding as to why he was telling me what, why to pray in those areas. Because there was a promise on the other side. If you do this, 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 and this, there's a promise on the other side. So there's nothing like a carrot to make you want to enter in. It's true. There's nothing like a carrot to make you want to enter in. I don't ever want to see the stick. I don't want to feel the stick. I like it when God dangles carrots, chocolate carrots. Because I don't like carrots. But with chocolate, I might go for it. If there's ever such, yeah, chocolate sprouts. I would have had a lot more chocolate sprouts as a kid. And when this happens, when this happens to you, when you're listening, when God has already spoken to you and then you listen to someone else speak, this is what the Bible calls in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And we all need experiences where the mouths of two and three witnesses echo what we're feeling and sensing. Because that helps us to know that we're hearing God and we're on the right path. Yes? If you've got to work out everything yourself, it gets hard. So it's always good to hear it coming out the mouths of others so that you can be encouraged. That's what, exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly what God was saying to me. And that gives us an anchor to think, okay, I know God's speaking to me now. Amen? Amen. And that's why conversation with the right people is important. Because just as God's trying to put pegs in the ground for you to follow his leading, there's always someone else trying to pull them up. So you've got to have the right conversations with the right kind of people. So... We understand that, don't we? So he confirmed to me, this, this speaker, or God confirmed to me through the mouth of this speaker, what he was saying to me. And one of the keys of entering into, into uh, what God wants you to enter into in this season is through the presence of God. It's through the presence of God. My friends, you cannot get where you're going without going through the presence of Moses said, I can't go, Lord, 
if you don't come with me. But it's amazing how many of us want to go without God coming with us. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. As long as I can go, Lord, it's all right. I'll represent you, Lord. Lord says, no, you're missing the point. You on your own without me is still you on your own without me. I go before you, Tony. I go before you, Tony. So when you get there, I've already been there. Now watch this. Hearing that, God goes before me and he also wants to go with me. Right? So it's not just God with me, it's God before me. Because when God goes before you, when you get there, all preparations have been made. When God's with you, you and God, God's working in your heart. Amen. Amen. He's working in your heart. But when God can go before you, God's working, he's arranging the room, the scenery, so when you and him step in, everything's prepared. You see, when you know that royalty's coming, everything's prepared before they get there. Yeah? So Moses said, look, if you don't come with me, my spirit, if your spirit does not come with me, I cannot <coughs> go before Pharaoh. God says, I'll do better than that. I'll go before you and I'll go with you and my presence will be in you. And when he listens to you speak, it will be as if he's hearing me. I had this experience when I was in the Philippines. God had gone before me. And, every, and when I got there, God had arranged all the parts in the midst of what looked like chaos, God had arranged all the parts and all I had to do was step into the environment and everyone was eating out my hand. Literally, it was so easy. And I just thought, this is where I learned this lesson. God has to go before us and with us. I was a man on time doing the right thing. And because I was and I was so conscious that I wanted to represent others who had sent me, I knew God had to go before me. And this whole mountain had collapsed. So it was a tragic scenario. And it hadn't just collapsed. It had collapsed about two months. So they thought I was coming to give them emergency aid. And I wasn't the one who was coming to give them emergency aid. So there was a whole bunch of confusion when they find out this guy stood there. isn't the one they thought. But as soon as I opened my mouth and I started to speak, there must have been a room of 400 men. All expecting me to give them some aid. Well, I came and gave them the aid, but it wasn't the aid they were expecting. And within, literally, it was, I, honestly, I'm not lying when I say this. Within 20, 30 seconds of me opening my mouth, I knew I had them in my palm of my hand. So quick. And they stood there thinking, you know what I'm saying? Let's open your Bible. I said, we didn't come to hear you pre- preach to us, but I've come to preach to you because this is what you need. This is the first aid from heaven sending something to you. And this is where I learned this lesson. And it's a very powerful lesson. If you're going nowhere, you don't need, to go, you don't need God to go before you. Yeah. It's all right laughing about that, but it's true. If you're not going nowhere, it's just you and God. But when you're doing things with God, you need God to go before you and go with you. And watch your back. It's so important. So one of the key things we need to learn in this season is finding the presence of God and making that a very special place. It's amazing, you know, when I look at young couples, how they'll always make time for each other. 
You know, I make time for my, because me and Carol are a young couple. I make time for Carol. She makes time for me. And we go out quite often. That's one of our ways. We have our date nights. We have our, quite a few date nights, don't we? And that's our way, just talking, my opportunity to talk and blah, blah, blah. And we make time for one another. But, you know, in the presence of God, if we don't make that time for God, we'll never discover his presence and we'll never discover the kisses of God upon our life. And every one of us needs to know the kiss and the perfume of God. And you'll only know that by getting in his presence. Amen? So, let me say this to you. Let me charge you this morning. Come higher, go deeper. Come higher, go deeper. That's the charge of God to your heart this morning. Come higher and go deeper in the presence of God. Because your heavenly Father has got things to say to you. If you can't come higher and go deeper, then everything that you want God to do will always be on a fleshly level. God will not always deal with you on a fleshly level. And whenever God deals with people on a fleshly level, it's always hardship. We are spirit people. We deal with God in the spirit. The flesh is passing away. But when your flesh gets in the way, something has to pass away. And we all have flesh. We all have flesh that needs to be circumcised in the presence of our God. Amen? And, and the key I really want to just share with you this morning is, so when you get in the presence of God, you've been scanned or you're being scanned, you throw everything in your tray, you walk with confidence through the light, through the door. Then there's another key. And this key now is called understanding. This key is understanding. This is such a powerful, powerful key. If you cannot understand what God is doing with you, you will not understand what God has given you. God has given you things from the other side. From the storehouse of heaven, God has given you things. But you can't utilize them because you don't understand what God has given you. So when you don't understand what God has given you, you can never step in to use what God has already supplied. If there is a bank account with a lot of money in it, and it's got your name on it, but you don't know, you can't. You can go to Paul's bank, and they'll look at you and smile at you. And they'll want details. To prove that you've got that account that you say you have. You've got to show them evidence. True? Security is a good thing. As we've already discovered about being at the airport. Security is a good thing. Your heavenly father wants to supply everything. He already has supplied. He just wants you to enter in. So you can begin to use what God has given us. But understanding is the key. It is the key. Please say with me. It's so key. It's in fact, it's more than a key. Understanding is so essential for what God is trying to give to you and do with your life. Do you know nothing can be transferred? I said nothing can be transferred to you from God or from God to you, from heaven or from man without understanding. If I don't understand Carol, I can't receive what Carol's saying. 
If I don't understand the technology that Phil's giving me, I don't know how to use it, which is often the case. If I don't understand what God's got and how God speaks and how God works and God operates, I'm going to be one frustrated believer on the ground. I'm going to judge God's acts when, because I don't understand his ways. If I understand his ways, then I, then I will understand his acts. Why does God do what he does? Well, I don't know. Why, if God, lo- if God so loved the world, why do babies die? Why do good things happen to, to, you know, bad things happen to good people? Why, why, why Delilah? You must understand God so you understand his ways. Is that not true? Once understanding can be grasped or is obtained, things can be downloaded and transferred. Now let me say this, you will never, ever, 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 ever establish legacy if you can't transfer things across. There has to be a structure for understanding to pass from Irene to me, from me to Irene. If there is no gateway that understanding can cross, then there's always going to be a light and a dark. Everything good about God has to, some point, has to be understood. We cannot receive, we say, God is good, but if you don't understand God is good, you'll only ever see the bad in the world. But if you can understand that God is good, God doesn't get snuffed out because you see bad. Do you understand that? God doesn't get snuffed out or forgotten because you know there's bad in the world, but you know also know God is still good. And good things are always going on and surrounded by bad things. Egypt is here, but so Zion. And Egypt doesn't have to enter into Zion. In other words, you're Zion. This is the new Jerusalem. The world is Babylon, Egypt, but the troubles of Egypt don't have to pass through into my life. But occasionally they do. So the the quicker I can understand that something is illegally crossed... I can get it out of my territory. But I must understand how it's got in, why it's got in, and which part of my life it got in through. Did it get in through the eye gate? Did it get in through the ear gate? Did it get in through the pocket gate? Did it get in through the time gate? Did it get in through the shoes gate? Which gate did it get through? Which gate needs scanning? Yes? You must understand this about yourself. What are your weak points? Where are you most susceptible? How can you guard your life if you don't understand where you're weak? And one of the, one of the, the classic areas where people are weak and don't understand is in the area of finance. So you spend like you've got loads of money. And because it's not real cash, it's debt. It's still real cash, by the way, but it doesn't appear like it's real debt. They're just numbers and you can just keep pay, paying me that cold plastic thing. But that plastic thing's going to catch up with you. And it's going to become a reality. And then people don't understand debt. What they're trying to do is bury the head and run away. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I see these two fellas. Not that they're in debt, but they understand the institutions. (laughs) Everything must be transferred. And everything that is transferred comes through understanding. 
So when you don't understand, you've got to keep reading, listening, inquiring until a measure of understanding. And once you've got a little measure, it's amazing how much can be transferred across. True? Many of us can testify how God has moved in our lives. Why? Because we understand. So let's go to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41 verses 17 onwards It says, the poor and the needy search for water. But there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. So picture the scene. The needy, they're looking for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. So there's something something they need and God has access to. Yes? I, the Lord God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within valleys. So God's got a hidden source. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. So what you need, God's already got. I will put the, I will put the desert, the cedar and the acacia the myrtle and the olive. I will set pines in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that my people may see and know. And they may consider and understand. The hand of the Lord has done this. One, the Holy One of Israel has created it. So the things that people are looking for, And God has all the answers to all that people are looking for. Who has the answers? God. So when geologists are looking for new minerals and they're looking for new resources, Job tells us God knows where it is. God can lead men to where all the mineral resources are. Now if God can lead men to the natural resources, how much more does your Heavenly Father want to lead you to spiritual resources. But you've got to understand some things. You've got to understand the ways, the patterns of how God and the principles of God because the kingdom is opened by keys. Keys. Understanding is a key. And one that you and I definitely, not most definitely, more than that, I don't know the word for it, critical, It's critical success factor. You need this key called understanding. Now, how many times have you been in need? You had no water flowing through your valley financially. How many times have you been in serious need and God supernaturally supplied it? You can all testify to that, can't you? And you can say, I can testify to the goodness of God. My eyes have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now you understand now God can supply. True? Hello? You can see it. But comes the next challenge. You should have enough faith from the prior challenge to sustain you for the current challenge. Hello? You should not be in deficit. 
You must be able to stand on the promises of how God came through in the last situation. Is that not true? God, I know you're the God who can do this. Father, I know you can do it. But God says, yes, I know I can do it. You know I can do it. But I'm going to come a different way this time to teach you a different, way, a different aspect about my life. But God, well, that, that's going to make me more uncertain. Why should it make you more uncertain? I'm the God who's still supplied. I'm just teaching you there are more ways for me answering your prayers than you think. Because the moment you think you've got me nailed down, you will create a formula. Because I know what you humans are like. I am not a formula. I am God. And and what you need is faith to understand this God or to trust this God. Because your obedience comes first and then understanding follows later on. So I'll return. So he says this. How many times has God spoken to you in a very dark moment? Hello? Hello? How many times has God spoken to you and I in a very dark moment? Showing us that when God spoke, he brought a measure of light to give us hope. It's the same as these Israelites. The tongues were parched. They were on the brink of dying. But God supernaturally says, I'll supply everything they need to keep them alive. Because it's in God's interest to keep faith alive. And it's in your interest to keep your faith alive. Yes? So understand that God will always find, bring us to our lives a way out. If we trust him. And I love that about God. Don't you? How many times has God healed your sickness? How many times has he cured your incurable illness and sickness? Mentally, physically. God is able to do those things. Why does God do that? So people may enter in and are able to understand God's way. God needs you. God wants you. God desires for you to understand him. He understands you, no problem. You can never pray to God and say, God, God, you don't understand. You can never go before Father and say, Lord, shh. Don't talk, Lord. You just don't understand me. I am, I am the most misunderstood person in the world. It's amazing how many people pray ignorantly. God, if you only just could understand me. No one else seems to understand me. God says, hello, what is man that he should speak to me about what I do and what I don't understand? Were you there at the beginning, Job? No, I wasn't. Shh, shut up then. And by the time Job starts shooting his mouth off, Job realizes halfway through, this wasn't my smartest move. <laughs> this was not. You can hear the, you can hear the vehicle reversing. Deed, deed, deed. Vehicle reversing, vehicle reversing, vehicle. And he's leaving the presence of God because the light has shone and exposed him in a way that he thinks, oh, what a dipstick I was. And yet, despite all these moments, God allowed us to enter in and go beyond. We found the presence of God in the midst of... Now, let me ask you a different question. Is it always going to take the darkest, severest moments for you to find the ways of God? No, once you see the light. 
Are you always going to have to be at death's door before you call on him? Are you always going to have to be in dire straits before God can give you some new understanding? Is that a good way to live? No. That's called the days of beginnings. When we're immature, those things happened. But as you become more mature, your response in times of crisis should change. I said, if you mature. Big word, if. If you're still, still at the same point every time you reach a crisis, then you've not matured. That is in itself is a good litmus test to see whether you understand God anymore. It's gone quiet. Yeah, yeah, I thought I bet it was. So Acts chapter 8, verse 30. Let me give you an insight to what to your next step you need to take. Aren't you glad the scriptures are here for us? It's paving the way for us. Acts chapter 8, verse 30. You know the story, but I'm going to make a point out of it. You may not have seen or understand. And this, every one of you is in this position at some point in your life. Some of you are there more times than you can think. Now let me read it to you and see if you, understanding comes to you based on what I'm about to read to you. Acts 8, verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. So Philip is hearing what a conversation. He's eavesdropping. (laughs) He's he's eavesdropping by the Holy Spirit. He can hear what's taking place in the chariot of the eunuch. So he hears. So Philip thinks, aye, aye, evangelist, great opportunity here. Listen to what's going on. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Hmm. Question. No, this is what he asks. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, How can I? He said, Unless. Ah. Now here's a door now. Here's a door, unless. So he's recognizing understandings on the other side of the door, unless. Unless what? Well, I'm glad you asked. Unless someone explains it to me. Well, this also then poses another question. Do you have a spirit that you can be taught? Some of us read a lot of stuff, but the heart is not to learn. You've got the habit and the practice of reading, but you don't carry the spirit of learning. Reading can be a a pastime filler. I'm waiting on the bus. I'm waiting for the bus. I'm sat waiting for the wife. She sat waiting for you. Reading can just be a gap filler. Because your mind needs stimulating, but do we read with the spirit to understand? Hmm? So, listen to this. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now there's a whole deep dimension going on here. The Ethiopian wants to read. Now they say today the gospel went to, to uh, Africa because of this account. This was the door 
into Africa. This is what the historians tell you this. This encounter brought the gospel throughout all Africa. And that's why Africa today is a spiritual continent. Yes, we are reading history taking place here. Why? All because, all because, all because he opened up his chariot and invited someone to come in. This question was so deep within him that he generally wanted understanding. How can I understand it? It didn't stop him reading it though, did it? How can I understand, John, if I don't open my chariot and invite somebody to come in? May I pose to you, that is your biggest problem. I have just opened the door to your greatest challenge. And it's gone very silent in here. And the Bible tells us that even a fool looks smart if he keeps his mouth shut. At the greatest challenge you and I will ever have is to admit that what we read we do not understand and to open our chariot and let somebody who can bring that understanding into our life. Now let me give you another challenge on top of that. For how long, church, have you been reading the scriptures and you still don't understand? Ah. Yeah, you're right there. So may I suggest you may need to open up your chariot, that's your heart. And you may need to come and do ADT. Let's start on ground zero. It's not ground zero, it's more than ground zero, but we'll call it ground zero. Let's open up our hearts and say, you know what? I need to open up my chariot to let somebody in. But I'm just great, me and Jesus are fine. That's your problem. That you think Christianity is about just about you and Jesus. Though it sounds wonderful and it sounds biblical, it's actually erroneous. God put you into a church. Oh yeah, well that's why I go to church to get, so I can find more about me and my Jesus. No, 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 he put you in a body. Yeah, I know I'm part of the body because someone opens the door and I'll close it. No, 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 I put you in a body that cannot be separated. It must carry the same concerns. It must serve the rest of the body. And so for every argument you've got for you, just you and Jesus, Scripture actually disarms you. It's not an argument that has any credibility. But it sounds wonderfully spiritual. But it's actually not spiritual. It's selfish and disconnected. It's not a word that has it disconnected, but it is this morning. Put a new one in, in the English dictionary. So, think of your chariot. Think of what areas you don't have understanding. I'm not suggesting you know nothing. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there are areas in every one of us. So when I didn't understand the prophetic realm, which chariot do you think I jumped in? I jumped in the prophetic chariot of people who could bring me understanding in that area. It wasn't one person. Actually, many people have contributed to that area of understanding for me. But at some point, I don't let anyone who says the prophetic just jump in my chariot. But my chariot is open. But it's just not open to everybody. It's open to someone and some ones. Yes? There's many times like you, I read scriptures and I haven't got a clue what I've just read. Now, I don't get on the phone and say, someone's, got to, someone's going to have to give me some understanding. Some understanding it. There are things I need to work out. 
But I'm smart enough to know that there are areas I generally just do not have understanding in. You know, it's great having a church full of professional people. And it's great having a church a church having sorry, it's great having a church full of people who are older than you. Why? Because they've got wisdom and experience. The young professionals have got knowledge. So if I want to know about finance, banking, and stuff like that, we've got access to people who's got access to that information. If I want to know other areas, I then if I want to know why my road's blocked, I'll go and talk to Irene. <laughs> if I want to know a little about everything, I go to Andy. <laughs> if I want to know a lot about nothing. I know who not to go to. And if I want to know about technology, everyone knows more about technology than me. <laughs> Except Tash Shirley. Because God says, I'll never leave you alone. I'll forsake you. I'll always leave someone to comfort you. And I know a little bit more of technology than our kids. So I guess in the kingdom, in the king of the one I king. <laughs> God supplies people to us so we can enter in. God supplies people to us so we can enter in. It's so important. So God wants you to go deeper and clearer. But if you can't invite other people into your chariot, and every time they say something you don't like, you can't keep kicking them out. Stop the chariot. Stop it. Get out, you bum. That's not inviting someone into your chariot. Another question. Where's your chariot heading? Where's your chariot heading that you need someone to, to step in Because your course direction may be wrong. And someone stepping into your chariot may be able to turn around and say, Ashley, you're going the wrong way, fella. You're going the wrong way. Heaven's that way. Wisdom's this way. Understanding's over here. Peace is over here. Fulfillment is in this direction. Wisdom's over here. If you're so hell-bent on driving your chariot in the direction that you have decided your chariot should go. No amount of wisdom is ever going to turn your chariot around. It was God who gave some to be pastors. Not all. Prophets, priests, blah, 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 blah. So that the whole body may find its place and be mature. So that suggests there are people God has supplied to step into the chariots of people's lives. But no one can force, I can't say to Irene, Irene, I demand that you give me respect. What kind of man would say that? I'm not a boss. I'm not a husband. I'm a pastor. Freely I've received, freely I give. If a heart is open, she says, Pastor, come in, step into mine and Ralph's chariot. Give us understanding in this area. She doesn't need understanding in every area. But in certain areas, she might say, Pastor, we need you or the elders to come in and give us understanding in this area. Right. Once we've brought that understanding, she says, you may leave. We step out. Why? I must step into someone else's chariot. And then, and that's how it goes. But her chariot, we're always running alongside her chariot. Or her chariot now needs to start running alongside us. So now her chariot is keeping pace with the ministry not the minister trying to chase the chariots. Oh, I wish you had a good pet of ears this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 
When many of you are in trouble, you expect the minister, the Philip, to keep chasing your chariot. Not this Philip. I'm talking about the spiritual one. <laughs> dig, dig. Uh, it's Philip's spiritual. But seriously, immature people expect Philip to keep chasing their chariot. You can't do it. It's wrong. It's wrong. There comes a point where if you don't want someone to step into your chariot, we will allow your chariot to keep going in the direction. We have no other, al- we have no other alternative. I can't say, man, Lord, stop that chariot. The Lord says, listen, they won't even listen to me. Why would they listen to you? It's true. It's true. I haven't got a ministry of arresting chariots. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we trust in the name of our God. That's what Proverbs tells us. Your faith is not in chasing chariots. You might watch the movie Chariots of Fire, but that's the only chariots with fire you're going to see. Most chariots need burning. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, I'm following you. Hello? He said, follow me. Put down your nets. Follow me. In other words, get out of your chariot and follow me. I'm now the new chariot. So you now need to keep in pace with what God's doing. Because he's saying, I want you to enter in. I want you to go deeper. Come higher. Go deeper. So many of us have been believers now for years and we've become very static and non-progressive in our understanding. And our, our chariot is becoming stale. It's not moving anymore. Why? Because a new understanding needs to come over you and come into you. But because you won't open the door of your chariot, God can't step in. So you can't enter in because you don't want anybody to enter in and bring a new definement in your life. Oh, I wish understanding was in your heart for you to show, you know what, that's me. I need this, Lord. So Acts chapter 22, 29, I'll close with this. I've got tons much more, but... Sure. You know... Not sounding super spiritual, but I've got far more to give you than sometimes you can take (laughs) time-wise. Not that you can't spiritually take it, but there's time. And it's not a preaching exercise to go on, on, and on, and on, and on. That's not the exercise here this morning. That's not the mandate. The mandate is to minister the word of life. Amen. Amen. That's all we're here. There's no brownie points for going too long, only boredom. Acts 22, verse 9. Please say this with me loud, loud. My companions saw the light. So someone seen something. Someone seen something. My companions saw the light. But they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. Stop right there. Let's have a journey. My companions saw the light. Many of you are in here can see the light. You saw the light and you entered the light. That's how you became saved. My companions saw the light. That's one move. That's one move. That's one transition you had. God allowed you to step into the light and see the light. 
But now you think you've got it all. The problem is with the voice. Oh. The problem is with the voice. Because I see the light, I'm in the kingdom. But you've got no voice to guide you where you should go. And how to do what God's asking you. The voice is the issue, my friends. Once you're in the kingdom, the light brought you there. But now you're going to need the voice. The voice needs a whole understanding. It's a drop-down menu. There's no, listen, we've all seen pictures without any sounds. You do not pick up the intensity of what's going on without the sound. True? Now, there's a difference in your life and my life. There are many people in our life who's just a noise. And there are people who carry a sound. That's for every one of us to discern who carries a noise and who has a sound. It's a difference of clarity. Your ears need to determine and discern which one's a noise and which one carries a sound. Because the one who carries a sound carries, there's a voice behind the sound. Jim Reeves once sang, I hear the sound of distant drums. Some of you won't have a clue who Jim Reeves is. He wasn't that bright, he flew into a mountain but, and died. But. His song was his famous, I hear the sound of distant drums over there. Sounds like a football song, doesn't it? I only know it because my dad used to play it. But please understand there's a difference. Hey, you were probably born then, weren't you, John? You were listening to it. Yeah, vinyl. Do you hear me? Vinyl. But can you not see here? My companions saw the light and they didn't understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? Asked. I asked, sorry. How many of us are going to be brought to the place where we're saying, Lord, what shall I do? I've seen the light, but I've got a problem with the voice. Oi. So you like the music, you like the preaching, you like Paul's voice, you like Irene and Z. And by the way, they're, don't, they're sounding better, aren't they? Z and Irene, eh? Dana Ross and the Supremes there. Baby love, baby love. Woo. <laughs> huh? Just don't become the queen of soul. That's a lot deeper than you thought. <laughs> Hear what I just said then. Do not become the queen of soul. So anyway, meanwhile, back on. <laughs> Every time I'm speaking, I'm sowing. What shall I do, Lord, I ask? Get up, the Lord said. So now he can have a course correction. This man's seen the light and now he's hearing the voice. He doesn't understand the voice, but he's hearing the voice. That's a good place to be. Hearing the voice is the first thing. I'm not talking about hearing voices, hearing the voice. And that voice gave him an instruction. What did he tell him to do? Let's read. Go into Damascus and there you will be told that you have, what you have been assigned to do. John, did you know that you've been assigned to do something? Do you understand it? No, you don't. I don't. You have a measure of understanding, mm -hmm. like us all. That's okay, but you have a measure. That's good. So you have a down payment, enough to keep thinking, Lord, show me more. Yeah. Amen. 
God's given us all a measure of understanding. And with that measure, that, measure that, should keep asking, that should cause you to keep asking questions. Show me more. That question, listen, that question, if that is your question, and I say if very carefully, may, that, may I suggest to you, that could just be a good indication to the Holy Spirit that the door of your chariot is open. Now, let me challenge something else while I'm in the room. For you Christians who have been around a long time and who call yourself guardians of the galaxy, <laughs> there are things that were taught to you over years. Yes? And they were taught to you in a measure of light. In other words, there was a measure of light that you received that truth. Is it fair to say we've all received truth in measure? But as the spirit of progression comes upon your life, God upgrades us into all truth, living truth, prophetic truth. Can you see this? He upgrades us. So the light that you once, once fed you now needs changing. But as guardian of the galaxy, you now dig in and defend. And now it becomes entrenched. Now you will refuse to move on. God's trying to supply new light to you, new truth, a clearer voice. But because you've got ancient doctrines in your life, your chariot stays on that direction. It gets stuck in the old tram lines. Right? And the mud and the rain and the weather, you become an all-weathered Christian, but goes no, but whether or not you will listen is your issue. Right? And all of us don't think we've got those things until new truth comes along. <laughs> and then I watch your faces. God had to take me to Malaysia to undo my ancient doctrines. Now, are we saying that everything we've learned is, long, is wrong? No, but you've got to be scanned in the light. As you put everything that's in your pocket on your watch, as you put it back in the tray, it'll get scanned and what comes out the other end might not be as much as you put in. And some things he'll allow you to put those shoes back on. Other times he'll allow you to put your watch back on. Other times he'll say, put, no, those spectacles are no good for you now. Where you're going, you need new, you need corrective lenses. But so many Christians cannot finish the will of God because you become trenched with your old thoughts. Oy. And that's why you need an open chariot to allow others. You know, I was going to the, I'd been going to Malaysia now for, must be about 15 years. And me and Andy were at School of the Prophets. And Papa Jonathan was speaking one afternoon like he does, all afternoon. And... And this one afternoon, all afternoon session, he begins, to sp he begins to walk on the sacred cows of my heart. And I remember one of these sessions, you remember, Andy, I remember you manifesting in the flesh before me. <laughs> Do you remember that? And there you cow, there you cow, what's he on about? Hey, hey, hey. And he's ready to get on his plane, I'm leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again. Then Shirley has to say, Andy, shut up. Needs a good woman to sort him out. And I'm laughing at him thinking, look at you, you dipstick. Look at you. 
God just puts his hand on one piece of thing and look at you all fleshified there in the corner. Until session two. Session two, he starts talking about the millennium. Oh, hang on a minute, hang on. Just a minute, fella. Who the heck do you think you are? Walking in my garden like that, pulling up my roots. God says, ooh, there's some weeds in your garden as well. And I was surprised, I was surprised that this was there and I never knew it was there. But what showed me it was there was my reaction. I manifested in the flesh. (laughs) Why did it create that manifestation in me? Because I felt protective. I'm the guardian of the galaxy. That was taught with me. And I don't know the psychological depth of why I protected it, but it was just the last piece of weed that God was saying. That is not... I didn't call that doctrine to become a remnant. Let me pull it up now. We can have one big oosh, as Phil always says. Like, you know, the, the plaster being removed of the kid. <laughs> or we can just go, boom. And God just went, boom. And I went, ah! And you know what? Never an issue again. God's saying, I just want to see if we can update you in present truth. Because you're the great one of telling everyone else. But every now and then I'll go fishing, I'll go forestering, and I'll find out what's hidden in your weeds in your garden. And at that point, we'll find out whether you're willing to let it go. So then you get that, let it go, let it go. Or you'll end up becoming frozen. Rather than chosen. You've got to be up all night rehearsing all these jokes. (laughs) And if it's not genuine humour, you have a go. I'm an anointed, I'm an anointed <laughs> joke teller. <laughs> okay, let's finish this scripture. Let's stand to our feet. That way you'll know, you'll have a sense that you're coming to the end. This is the finale. This is not the final. Because the, listen, let's pick up 11. My companions led me, and by the hand, I'm seriously finishing. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus. Thank God for good, good companions. Because the brilliance of the light has blinded me. A man named Ananias. Everyone say, a man named. You need to name the people who God is bringing to your life. A man named Ananias came to, to see me. He was a devout observer. You need devout observers. Not just people. Devout observers. Good people. And he highly respected by all the Jews living there. Find people who are respected by others. I've just given you three categories of people to let into your chariot. The first one was companions. Second one was a devout observer. Third one, someone who's respected by others. If you can get those qualities in a person, in people, then you're safe. Hey, I've just given you good safeguard qualities there. And he saw the light respectively by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me, fourth quality, someone who will stand beside you. And said, fifth quality, someone who's willing to bring the word of the Lord to you. And said, brother Saul, Receive your sight. 
In other words, receive the technology for going deeper and entering in. And at that very moment, I was able to see. It's at that moment, you allow others into your chariot, that you're able to see. And the spirit of understanding comes to your life. Can everybody see this? Once you were blind, now you can see. Just raise your hands with me if you will. Put yourself in the Ethiopian's situation. See your life and your chariot. See it as needing someone else to step in to give you light and understanding on the things you don't understand. God, send me teachers, send me good people, respected people, noble people, people who can can bring me the word of God, not just talk to me on a, on a social, social, soulish level. I need some of those people, depending what my profession is and what the challenges I am, but you need all measures of people in your life. But first and foremost, find someone who's respected. That's so important. We need these people, respectable people. And sometimes we need people who can bring us the word of the Lord. Because a non-Christian, though he might give you the information you need and, and it's good for your life, he's not capable of bringing the word of the Lord, but they are needed in your life. So you need a multitude, multiplicity of people. Yes? You need a multiplicitous group of people in your life. So say, Father, surround me with these people. I want to understand, Lord. I want to enter in. I want to go deeper. But I need the right people in my chariot. I need the right people in my chariot. Oh, Father, bring it to me, oh God. Bring these people to my life. I need wise people. Father, you want me to enter in? I want to enter in. Come on, open up your chariot right now. See your heart. See your heart open up. Oh, my Father. Come on, ask for understanding, Lord. Be willing to... Be willing, be willing, be willing, be willing to let old doctrines be clarified and upgraded. You don't want them updated, you want them upgraded. Father, bring me into a new belief system. One that, one that finds the approval of heaven rather than finds the approval of my soul. Oh, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, right now, I pray for those on my right. And I pray, Father, Lord, the spirit of understanding will increase in its measure. That, Father, the chariots and the horsemen will flow in the same way. Father, that there will be conformity to the plans and purposes of the living God. Over the lives of your people. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone's eyes right now to be opened to see a new level of understanding that is being required of you in this time. And Father, for those on my left, I pray, oh God, that as understanding comes to these on my left, 
that Father, it will be like a staff that Moses lifted up and it parted the Red Sea. And you will show them, oh God, this is the way to keep walking. Father, give them the understanding right now. Right now, I pray for you to receive it in Jesus' name. Receive understanding that will allow you to enter in. <coughs> oh, Father. Father, right now, we and the children of God, Father, in this house were made for signs and wonders. Father, let us understand what has been given to us this day. Father, we thank you for the food that you fed us with. May our hearts be truly thankful. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Standing ovation, I should say. Let all the living creatures praise his name. Oh, Father.